Hello, and welcome to this episode of Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit, with your classy and sophisticated hosts, Alexandra Rowland, Freya Mosk, and Jennifer Mace. On today's episode, we're doing a deep dive on a single tentpole, the fanfiction Misothera by Astolat. And welcome to episode 34, Misothere. I am Alex, and I am the size kink one. I'm Freya, and I'm the control issues one. I'm Macy, and I am the arranged marriage one. We are three redheaded f- fantasy authors. <laughs> <laughs> and those are some of Astolat's favorite kinks. Yes, they are. <laughs> because today we're talking, uh, we're just having a whole episode about one Astolat fanfiction, Misothere. Uh, we're going to do a deep dive, uh, as we did a few months ago for uh, Drastically Redefining Protocol. We're just going to be talking about one single fic. And of course it's Astolat because we are back on yep. our bullshit. We really never yep. left our bullshit. Yep. Yep. Uh, but before we get into this delightful, fun times... Uh, experience (laughs) together before we go on this journey together. Uh, What are we reading, fellow serpents? My TBR pile was entirely derailed by the release of the third book in the Amberlo dossier, Mm. Amnesty by Lara Lena Donnelly. That is the sort of cabaret meets le carre spy fantasy stuff. It was amazing. I had so many emotions. (laughs) It was great. Uh, I also recently read Miranda in Milan, which was a novella out from Tor.com by Catherine Duckett. And I love The Tempest. It's one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. And this is a really interesting novella that is a sequel to The Tempest, focusing on what happens to Miranda when she goes back to Italy after the events of the play. And it's got some like creepy horror stuff in it. And it's got an FF love story. And it's all around excellent. I'm slowly making my way through Iona Datsharma's book of short stories, Not for Use in Navigation, That's which me. I have to sort of dole out really slowly, one by one. That's my agent sibling. Yes, recently I'm an agent sibling Yay. of Macy. And I've just started a book called Strange Grace by Tessa Grattan. Macy, did you tell me to read this? I think I told you to read a different Tessa Grattan. Because this one, I started, I just picked it up because I ordered it from the library ages ago and they had to get it in for me. Mm-hmm. And I started reading it, and about two pages in, I was like, oh, someone told me to read this because it's about (laughs) bargains with the land. And then about four more pages Mm. later, I was like, oh, my God, there's a polytriad in this book. (laughs) Like, they haven't set it up yet, but I can smell it. It's coming. Very nice. Comp title. all around my bullshit. I love it. Yes. Very nice. Now now I kind of want to read that, too, as always happens whenever you mention anything in this segment. Thanks, Freya. Thanks. You're welcome, Thanks, Macy. Uh, you're still not getting me with Lyman. <laughs> I am. We'll get to that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, Macy this week has just been uh, reading a really lovely novella called A Taste of Honey. Oh, I've by, heard that's really good. Uh, yes, by Claire I love that. Wilson. It's great. It's really lovely. And it also does some really cool, like, narrative things. I feel like... J.Y. Yang does some similar stuff to get so much world building and occurrences into a novella. You really have to do something cool with structure. Mm. And so I think Alex in particular, I keep wanting you to read this one because it has a soft, sad boy at the center of it. You know uh, I love those. (laughs) We know I love those. those. Um, Other than that, I finished reading the epic Naruto fanfic I was reading last, last time, Dreaming of Sunshine. Um, all 713,000 words of it. Uh, and I have been watching this really bad uh, docudrama that's on Netflix about the entirety of the Roman Empire. I watched like, I've watched like four episodes about Caligula. Mm. Um, I'm about three and a half episodes in about Julius Caesar. And you don't understand how bad this is. Their horses have stirrups. Oh dear. Oh dear, no. <laughs> We're here for you in this difficult time, Macy. <laughs> but like, uh, it's Italian, so it's like relevant to my novel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of. Anyway, we're also back on our magician's bullshit, uh, Freya oh, and I. Oh, yes we are. Uh, for a show that like is so good to us in so many ways, it's also so terrible to us in so many ways at yeah. the same time. And I'm baffled. 
You guys um, have steered been... clear of the recent big spoiler for the end, right? We have, no, we're very aware of what that is, and we entirely oh, yeah, we plan exactly to watch. What happens. We're going to watch up until episode season four, episode five, and then rage quit and wander off to write fix it fic. Nice, it's great. Yes, nice. That's, that's a good choice. Yeah, that's the correct correct choice for that. Cool. Uh, I finished listening to. So I've been listening to more audiobooks because I'm still working on my big sewing project. So I finished uh, the Natural History of Dragons, which was fantastic. I continued my Vercozigan kick from uh, that I mentioned on the last episode mm -hmm. uh, with the audiobook of Komar. I have also the civil or a civil campaign coming up because I'm going to re-listen to that one. Nice. Uh, I also started uh, the sequel to A Natural History of Dragons, which is the Tropic of Serpents. I am still enjoying that one as well. And I watched a couple documentaries about the Ottoman Empire on YouTube uh, for book research. Ooh. And also the big one is that <laughs> last night, Freya's Wiles finally got the better of me because I yes, started reading the first uh, Lyman Chronicles book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about halfway through the first chapter and I always... I, excuse me. And I already want to dunk Lyman's head in a bucket of pond water. <laughs> Not because I dislike him, just because he needs to shut up and give us all <laughs> two seconds of peace and quiet. Lyman needs to shut up is a fairly normal reaction to all of the books yep. and most of the characters in the books. Yep, yep. And the problem is that it seems like nonsense, but Dorothy Dunnett is so fucking educated. Uh, I can if tell. If you go back, like almost everything he's saying is a reference God, I know. a quote or a pun or something. And I think in order to understand it, you probably have to have about three separate classical educations. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and you just have to sort of let it wash over you and go, I'm sure that's something very clever yep. from an Italian poem, but I've got oh, no okay. idea. Yep. 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 I, I, uh, you're not going to get me. I am sticking to reading uh, pontificating out of dudes. I will stick to my historical textbooks. Thank you. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I remember saying something very similar recently, but here I am. Here I am. Um, let's move on. Uh, do Please. either of you have any pieces of news? Because I only have the one piece of news. Not particularly. So, small piece of news. Uh, anyone who's at the Nebulas, aka the SIFWA conference next week in Los Angeles, I will be there. Uh, so if you are th also there, please come say hello. I will have badge ribbons and <sighs> I'll just be sort of hanging out in the lobby. I need to print more of those because they're really pretty. They they're have snakes really on them. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they shiny. Do. <laughs> uh, but that's the only piece of news. So let's Yay. move on to the episode. Misathere! Misathere, which I think we've sort of agreed amongst ourselves how to pronounce because hell if I know. Yeah, I, I think I pronounced it that way last week. And now I've been trying to think about why. And I've realized why. And it's because of chorister nonsense. It's because it looks almost oh. exactly like miserere. Yes, it does. And that's how you pronounce miserere it when you're singing. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yep. Because I was looking at it and I'm like, well, it's not. that's not how you would say it in French. That's not how you would say it like in a Germanate language. And it's, it's Latin. It's kind of Germanish. It's Latin. Except it isn't so, because it has a TH in it. Anyway. Yeah, I know. We it's, it's a nonsense word, but we're pronouncing it like miserere. Yes. We're put, we, let's have an episode, friends. Let's have an episode. Hello, no, it's just about etymology listeners. of the word. <laughs> darling listeners, this week your serpents are back on their bullshit. We never left our bullshit. We are now epoxy glued to our bullshit. Which is really kind of like impressive if you consider the um, structural integrity of epoxy and the product of cows. Um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mace. It's like, like the being on our bullshit intensifies. <laughs> We we went out. We fossilized some cow dung, and now we're. Oh my god! <laughs> Macy, introduce this fucking bit. <laughs> Fine. This is one of Astolat's longer um, Witcher fix, and the Witcher fandom is, to the best of my knowledge, a stabby um, magic shooty video game. Along the lines of Dragon Age, but way more like focused on its single hero and like one person's quests and less mm -hmm. world buildy and like less kissing than Dragon Age, I assume. It's I have hard no to idea. have more. That's it's hard true. to have more. It's hard to have more or even the same amount of kissing as Dragon Age has. It's challenging. So Dragon um, Age is a very horny video game. <laughs> which the which was based on a it was based on a Polish novel series. Wasn't yes. it? Oh, fascinating. Yes, it was. Yeah. That explains some of the names. Yes. Um, yes, yes, it does. So The Witcher is a video game about a, like, overpowered superhero type um, sword for hire who wanders around stabbing zombies and vampires and stuff so they don't kill all of civilization. 
and also Julius Caesar. Yeah, I the impression <laughs> that I get is that it's like if Buffy the Vampire Slayer was a boy with a sword, possibly two swords. Two, I believe. Two swords. And there's also Julius Caesar. Yes. Um, so Swadboy is called Gibalt of Rivia, and Julius Caesar is called Amir. But Julius Caesar is part elf, which is important in other fics, but not in this one. Wait, so, in canon? The, yes, Julius Caesar is part elf in so this one. And he was a werewolf for a while? He was a werewolf which is for a while. In this one. Uh, it is not important in this one that much. It's like it's kind of like sidebar important. Anyway. Welcome to our new podcast. Alex, Freya, and Macy <laughs> explain canons that they have no personal uh, interaction with. That would be amazing, though. It would I be could amazing. talk about Gundam Wing for hours. That might be, Please that could don't. be, we could do that as a special for the Patreon. There we go. We Subscribe could. to our Patreon. Do I have to like Friends. walk over and Ravenclaw, like, let's sue you two back into the document? Possibly. I'm, uh, listen, this fic, Misathere, is about what happens when Julius Caesar gets hit with a love potion while looking at Swadboy. Yes. TLDR. Continue, Freya. The floor is yours. The floor is mine. <laughs> yes, for a story that starts off as the tried and true trope of, oh no, I was hit with sex pollen and now I am desperately in love slash lust with you, it goes some interesting places. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's mostly because the character of Emir, who we are not going to call Julius Caesar for the entire <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right, Macy's going to call am. him Julius Caesar. Macy's in a mood the character today, of Emir is one of those exceedingly astolite characters that I have an enormous weakness for, which yes. is why I was control issues in the intro, <laughs> who is a completely, you know, intelligent, planning, sees everything, moves piece people like pieces across a chessboard. And most of the fun of this fic is finding out all of the plans that he had sort of bubbling away in the background, because you're always seeing it from the point of view of Geralt who is much more of a straightforward, can I kill it with my two swords kind of person, except that he isn't. And this is the story about the ways in which he isn't and the ways in that start, in which that surprises Emir. When I was rereading this, the thing that really struck me is that this fic could have stood in for a tentpole in several of our favoritest episodes. Um, I, feel, I feel like we have brought it up as a potential tentpole a couple times before, um, and we haven't. For mysterious reasons. I think because we um, we don't want to be the show that 33% of the time our fanfic is Astolat. True, true, true. Very true. Uh, <laughs> but specifically, I'm thinking, um, Freya, from your description right there, about our Machiavellian overthinkers episode and comparing Amir to Vetinari. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yep. Except I think, yeah, they're very, very similar kinds of characters with a fundamentally different driving motive. Yeah, yeah they're, they're very similar, except also really not. And it's very fun well, to think Ari about. Well, is the post-Emir. He is the, we did the Empire thing. Yes. It didn't work for us. Let's work on building what we have. Whereas Emir is still in the, let's build an Empire stage of things. It's Venice, Right? Vetinari is like what happens if you're like, fuck being the Roman Empire, I'm just going to be Venice. Yeah, he's Venice with a heavy dosing of like postmodernist English guilt. <laughs> <essentially>. <laughs> because, because it's written by Terry Pratchett, who's I mean, like, sorry, sorry about the Empire, guys. You're not, <laughs> you're not wrong. But the other episode, um, and not to get entirely wound up in a mirror, because God knows I adore this character as Astolat writes them. But this fic is also very much about the relationship between him and Geralt, and it really does feel like a fealty story as well. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And not just like, it's it's like a lot of stuff around um, how Ymir sort of began the fic, and we learn about his plans before the start of the fic, seeing Geralt as a chess piece, and he slowly comes to see him actually as a partner. Not quite at the same level, but like as an honoured vassal who is really his top lieutenant and has so much to give. And some of the really nice moments in the story occur when Geralt finds out just how much trust Amir is placing in him, where he's like, oh yeah, Amir gave me this pass, it's got some signatures on it, it means I can get through checkpoints, that's handy. And then he's like, actually it's got his blood on it, it means I can like order anything in his name. Yup. And then he gets really angry about it. <laughs> Why can't you just say I love you like a normal like person? <laughs> 
Oh, it's so good. <laughs> but it's, it's this whole pairing type that Astolat does, right? The whole, yep. like, bruiser who is deceptively smart and ruthless overlord who catches feelings. Oh, fuck. Yep. And I just yep. noticed here that you have a small list of uh, pairings that are like this, which is great because I was literally about to mention uh, John Reese and Harold Finch from First yep. of Interest, which is exactly kind of the same thing. And Astolat does love them as well. There's do you so want many. to do you want to mention the other ones on your list? I was I keep going back to um vintage Astolat. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I was trying before we started recording, darling listeners, to explain to my fellow serpents um Smallville. Yeah. I don't know if either of you were in Smallville. Nope. Well no, I watched the first season of Smallville <laughs> because I had a housemate who was into it. And I, I think like, it was fine. Like, it, it was fine. I just, I did, did not feel fandomy about it. But clearly I was missing out on vintage Astolat. So the, the, there are a number of TV shows that I like to describe as Sweet Valley X. Um, yes. <laughs> so, you know, for example, Merlin is Sweet Valley Camelot. Yes. yes. And, <laughs> and Smallville is Sweet Valley Superman. Yep. Yeah. Right. So Smallville is this very campy show about Clark Kent being a farm boy in Kansas but played by a very buff 25 year old um, and Lex Luthor being an exceedingly twinky looking um, like banished corporate scion and then yeah, none of those people lot. are high schoolers no well Lex was not meant to be in high school he was meant to be like the weirdly creepy like young 20 year old something who was hanging out with a high schooler? That's weird. Anyway, back on my bullshit, um, Astolat, vintage Astolat, had a bunch of Clark Lex thick, some of which played with some pretty similar tropes to this. Uh, I was also thinking about like the, the sex pollen stuff, but it's another one where you have Clark Kent as the bruiser who is actually smart underneath it, and Lex Luthor as the ruthless overlord who catches feelings. Yeah. Astolat's Thor Loki stuff does some uh, things along those lines I as well. I can see that. And I was trying to think if I felt like the, fa the, the I'm trying to say Fantastic Four, and that's absolutely not what I mean. Help, what's the, what's the roomy car? There we go. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like that one is, is it's interesting because they're kind of both the bruiser who is deceptively smart. That's fair. I feel like Dom has an empire. Dom he is does. a liege. Yes. Sorry, um, darling listeners, as you are discovering, it's certainly true of Freya and myself, and probably true of Alex to a lesser degree. I've read everything by Astolat. I think that I've been sort of parceling it out. I've read That's a lot bad. of Astolat, but certainly not all of it, because, uh, you know, sometimes you have a really bad day, and you want to read something by a favorite author or fanfic writer that you have not read before. Um, right. Yeah, so I have I have not read all That's of fair. Astolat, but a That's significant fair. chunk. What about other pairings that meet this type, the deceptively the bruiser and the overlord, that aren't necessarily Astolat? Do you have any favorites? Yes, I was, I was still I was still in Astolat mode. I was about to be like robot bullshit, <laughs> robot bullshit. Yes, sort of. If you like squint a little mm -hmm. bit, back on my bullshit. Um, oh gosh, like Iron Bull and Dorian is a little bit like this. If Dorian is an overlord who has been taken away from his center of power. I can kind of see that. I feel like for me, the Be part of the dynamic that's important for me is the power of the yeah. overlord and the power differential here. Certainly, Bull is absolutely like spot on in the center yeah. of Bruiser who's deceptively smart. Like that's who it's his whole his whole aesthetic is that. And I think uh, Veterinary Vimes. Oh, yeah. There, also really in this particular dynamic. God, I'm still like so sad that no one ever really dug into that pairing because I do love that pairing and I wish there was more fic for it. Mm. I've, I've not actually read any fic for it. I think like it exists as this little potential bubble in my head. And I'm like, that could be really good, but I've never actually gone in search of something. I think because honestly, what I really want is for Astolat to just magically travel, <laughs> travel back a few years and just do her thing where she writes seven fics in a month. Yeah. 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 All of which yeah. are incredibly long and then just dumps them on the internet. It's like, enjoy. And yeah. then wanders away again. I feel like I've read like 5,000 word character studies that have done it. Which yeah. I don't do. So you know I must have been hungry for that particular pairing to have even yeah. seen those. But as well as pairing bullshit. Yeah, there's also a bunch of like epic fantasy bullshit in this, in this fic. 
I love the epic fantasy bullshit in this fic and all of the Astolat Witcher fics so much. She does a fantastic job with it. Mm -hmm. Like I have no I have no idea of what of the canon whatsoever. So I have no right. idea how much she is making up from her own head and how much she is taking from a deep knowledge of canon, but it's good shit and I'll keep reading it. It yeah, is. It's like she comes up with five subplots that would make excellent, like a really interesting original fantasy stories. And it's yes. like, this can all just go in this fanfic. That's yes. Fine. <laughs> and then weaves, weaves them magically together, throws a handful of sex porn on top. is like, done, <laughs> done. Like, how did you do that? She's a gift. <laughs> and like, this fic, okay. I want my non-fanfic reading people to go read this if they think that like epic fantasy has to be slow. Yeah. Because, like, she fits a whole novel's worth of stuff. How long is this oh, fic? How many words? 42,000? It's, like, just above the novella length. Yes. Yes. So, like, and again, just like J.Y. Yang, like, she's putting tons and tons of stuff and events and plot happening in the space of a novella. I want to talk about armies and battles. I want to talk about this for, like, a while. Okay. I really love the scene so there's a scene in this fanfic um so okay let's get a little bit more in depth describing what's happening in this fanfic to make this any make any sense so basically you have emir you have julius caesar who was dethroned from his empire and managed to reclaim his throne like what a decade ago and has ever since been kind of rampaging around gaul conquering the northern barbarian states one by one just eating them with his army um and during this time, for various video game related reasons, he has a young daughter, his heir, who he leaves in charge of Geralt. Um, she has a lot of magic and is heir to one of these northern kingdoms. Um, and so this fic and a lot of the Astolat fics in this fandom pick up at the point where Amir is like, thanks for raising her. Can I have my heir back now, please? I need to train her up and get her on the throne. AKA Siri has two dads. Siri does have two dads. This is pretty much canon. Yeah. Um, so Siri, Cyrilla of the Nightwind, is it? What's the title? She has a huge, big, long title, which is listed in the fic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is, and this is video game canon, uh, is this hugely powerful um, dimension hopping witch. Yeah. She's and... the, uh, the lady of time and space, I think. Yes. Yes, yes. And so she can, like, um, like blink from one place to another. Uh, mm -hmm. it, seems, it seems like she's limited by distance. Like, she can only travel short distances at a time. Right. So it's not like she can just teleport miles and miles, uh, which is good. Um, <laughs> and also we see that she has the power to open up a portal to the void of space, um, which she uses to freeze a river so that an army can cross it. Which, and it's, oh, it's so good. Which also, sidebar, is not how physics works. Cold is not a thing that can flow through from the void. That's not how... Hush. Hush now. Hush now. It's not how... Listen, heat is transferred in space due to radiation. And you don't actually get that cold that fast. Because there's no convection. Because there's no particles bumping into you and fucking off with your heat energy. Anyway, there's a magic portal, and the magic portal is very cold, and the river freezes. And so you and just it's have, very impressive. You just have this image of her riding across a river, pushing this ice in front of her with 10,000 cavalry and infantry charging behind her as the ice mm. bridge falls to pieces in their wake. Mm, chef's kiss. Ugh. Yeah. And it's just... Ugh. There are battle tactics in this fanfic. There's also like a lot of the other Witcher fanfics that Astolat has do focus on war and going to war and like having these battles. And it's for me, it's a really well played like balance of how much combat is shown. Mm. Mm. And like there's an entire scene, which I love, which goes by in about what, three pages mm. where once they've crossed the river and they're, you know, invading this city and the whole point is that someone has discovered that Emir is under sex slash romance pollen and has kidnapped <laughs> Geralt to hold as hostage and they're going to get him back. 
And there's this scene where Emmy just gives like three orders and they keep going and you're in Siri's point of view, which is really effective yes. because you can't be in Emmy's point of view, which I, I think we've talked about lots before if you're writing the Machiavellian mastermind. <laughs> yes. It's much less effective if you're actually seeing what he's thinking. Yes. So you're either seeing Geralt's point of view or Siri's point of view through the entire fic. And this entire series, from Siri's point of view, you just see him give like three different orders that seem a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. And then two pages later, he turns up in front of this thing and is like, as you can see, we have conquered this city. And suddenly <laughs> the three orders that he made make sense because he is literally bluffing his way into invading an entire city with a very small force. And you see it all fall into place. Yeah. That's why you're just like, ask that. <laughs> why? <laughs> why ask that? Like yes. he, he orders like... The ships in the harbour burned and, like, the main square torched, but not actually, like, fighting with the troops who were stationed there. They just kind of, like, goes around And then he's just, like, finds some extra horses and puts some people on the extra horses. Yep. He's, so like, running looks- around. It's like Burnham Wood has come to Dunsinane, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like, actually. And then he's just like, and as you can see, if your eyes are sharp, my ships are coming to reinforce me. And everyone's just, just like... He just gestures to this cloud of smoke. <laughs> And Siri is just sitting there with like stars in her eyes because you have to understand like she is an imperial heir but she doesn't really know her father. She's been on the road stabbing zombies for like most of her life and is like, why can't I stab it? And Emir is like, because politics. Because sometimes (laughs) there's sharper weapons than swords, baby. Yeah. 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 Ah. I wanted to ask you two uh, how you thought that... Do you think that Astolat deals differently with the military tactics in something like the Witcher fanfics and the Game of Thrones fanfics, a very high fantasy, epic fantasy fanfics, compared to robot bullshit? Because I Alone Have Escaped to Tell You is full of battles. Yes. And the epic fantasy, I th- I don't know. I feel like Astolat, through all of her fics, tends to have like a strong focus on well character primarily because it's Mm. a fanfic right like fanfic's whole purpose is to do character first and foremost yes no i don't know i feel like not always there are definitely fanfics that are very much plot focused as well i think it's what i would say instead then is that fanfic writers come up training their toolkit in character Mm. and then once they're good stretch themselves into plot and action as well I know that I know that's true for myself. Yeah. Hmm. And one of the things that Astolat does very well and does again and again and again is people admiring one another's competence yes. and the competence and the competence being shown through something like strategy or tactics or personnel management, which yes. it was in, and I alone have escaped <laughs> to tell you. Was just like pages and pages and pages of someone just like management style yeah like a project running of an organization yes and like how to have spreadsheets coaching your coaching your subordinates and like persuading yeah, managing them. personality clashes between your, your <laughs> mid-level offices like where is this all coming from i don't know but i love it how does she do it and like the i'm thinking of in in i alone have escaped to tell you the um scene where they're attacking the city right and they have to transform in order to fight the other transformers i don't know it's robots i've never watched canon apart from the one with like the very bad movies that were recent megan fox yeah i was gonna say the ones with megan fox in it um it's the only reason to watch one of those films and it's not enough reason i know what Um, you were focused on macy we all know (laughs) there were lots of explosions what can i say um Mm -hmm, sure but i'm just thinking and i really want to know if she has like a whiteboard or like a war games setup with like movements of armies and like positioning mm. things. Does she sketch I, these I battles? I think no. I think she just has a really, really interesting brain. Uh, yes. Yes. But I also liked what you were saying about like the personnel management. Because I think another thing that we see across all of the Witcher fanfics, a little bit less so in this one, is like the nitty gritty day to day running of an empire. Yes, like the um the grain thing. Mm. Do you want to tell us about the grain thing? Sure. So there is so uh Geralt is sent on a mission. What was the mission for? It was to like yeah, to kill Emir something. Had, like, found some weird stuff in like his, yeah like spreadsheets. 
Okay. And Jarrell <laughs> so, is and bored because he's sick of being a sex concubine. Yes. Right. Like, so Jarrell's like, go and stab me. Me, I know that you like them. stabbing me in this particular way. However, a boy yes. has needs. A boy, a boy has needs and that's to go stab some monsters. Yes. Uh, so he goes to uh, investigate this and he finds out that the farmers are that the the soldiers who the empire soldiers who have been stationed with these farmers have taken all of the, almost all of the farmers grain including the seed stock including the seed stock which is not great nope. uh so Geralt goes to the soldiers and says where what have you done with this and they're like well we need we need it to eat so that we have something to eat and he's like, well, you should have supplies that you are eating instead of the farmer's grain. They say, no, we don't. Uh, we have had like one third less than we're supposed to. So mm -hmm. we're about to starve. And Geralt says, well, you should have been sending letters of complaint to the quartermaster back in the capital. And they say, yes, we have in fact done that. Here are 13 copies of the, all the complaints <laughs> that we have sent. So uh, Geralt goes back and uh, talks to the quartermaster, who has no idea, but gives him another clue. And it's it's a really wonderful example of uh, one clue leads to the next clue, needs mm -hmm. leads to the next clue. Uh, and it's very neat and tidy and, and methodical. Uh, it's also just like supply chains. Yeah. You know? as like the the capillaries of empire and it's really interesting about how small like it's an interesting philosophical point about how small pieces of human me mediocrity can snowball into one big thing mm -hmm. because it starts out like the there's a a uh sort of cabal of uh patriots who want to be free of the the empire who are behind it all but they are relying on the sort of personal greed and financial desperation of one of the empire's uh civic officials yep right who has gotten himself into like gambling debts and and so forth we were talking earlier about how much astolat fits into this particular fanfic and that this grain mm -hmm. thing is just one small plot that happens in not very many words really no like and two I, I or three thousand tops yeah it's yeah, pretty and quick I was thinking, it's if this was in a different type of story, especially in an original story, this could have taken a very, very long time because it would have been serving a different purpose. It mm -hmm. would have been, I need a plot to use to set up some political things, to explore the world more, to do some character development. But literally the purpose of that plot in this story is let's give Geralt something to do. So Emir discovers he's a little bit smarter than he thought. And Geralt isn't completely bored and will just lay a little speck of some politics mm -hmm. for later on. But because it's a fanfic, you don't need to do the character work and the world building work. You're just like, here's a description of some stuff he's doing. That's fine. I yep. feel like it also relies on the fact that we understand, because we've been steeped in it, like how the Roman Empire has outposts and that they would be taking food from the locals and like all of that is stuff we don't need to be told about we kind of know that which i think is really smart um and there's another fanfic and i can't remember which of her witcher ones it is where they're trying to build a road through a swamp oh which yes, one was that is. it's not the wine one and it's not the vampires one i thought it was the vampires one. is it the vampire it's not the I vampires think it's... one it's definitely not the vampires one it's definitely it's... not the wine one it's the one where emir <laughs> retires isn't it oh maybe it is the wine one yeah. Anyway, yeah, Corvo this. Bianco. So, <laughs> darling listeners, um, there is a side plot in the video game wherein our stabby boy is at one point rewarded with like a minor title of nobility and a vineyard. Yeah. Oh, is, uh, that, is that actually in the game? I'm it? pretty sure it's in the game because Astolat's used it in like three fix, and she normally doesn't like put in her own stuff at random that's in multiple fix. Um, anyway, the point is that there's now all I this want to, i just want to talk about a year in descent oh it's a great <laughs> which fic. is the winery fic yes the winery fic but it's all about um the interplay of empire and like the machinery of how empires control but also enable their populace and, like support the populace you know they build the road through the swamp they i think there's a great line in this fic somewhere where emir is saying you know I know that you miss like going out and stabbing ghouls and protecting people. And Geralt says back to him, I don't need to. Civilization will kill them more efficiently than I ever could. I think it's when 
uh, Emir is trying to bribe him with like a new school of the witches. And I think that's the first moment when Emir looks at Stabby Boy. Like Julius Caesar takes a look at Stabby Boy and is like, oh, oh, you see more than you let on. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Which sidebar is the best feeling as a reader. That feeling of like admiration is just like crack. And that goes back and forth in this story the whole time. They're both just in this little mutual admiration of, wow, this is a terrible bastard and I love him. <laughs> oh, no. Club. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Especially because, like, one thing Aslet does very well, and it is quite self-indulgent, but I love it because it's entirely <laughs> indulgent for me, is those moments where, yes, there's having a conversation and you'll just drop something in that makes you realize that this was planned months ago or ages ago, and it happens like five or six times that you keep seeing the size of Amir's plan in this story in a way that makes you go, but also you love it. (laughs) And like, I'm just even just thinking about the moment near, like the sort of emotional dark point Mm. where Geralt discovers that, spoilers, Amir actually planned for this to happen. Amir sex-polled himself. Him sex-polled himself. Which is interesting if you think about it, because he had to have known something about how smart Geralt is for the entire thing to work out in terms of, I will use this person to be my proxy I think, when it comes to persuading people to come under my control. I don't but think I he did. I think what, in my mind, um, Emir sees Geralt and sees this is a reasonably intelligent person, but he is shot through with honour. And it runs in his veins. And if I give him my trust and my standard, he will do everything he can to behave as I say. And I think that Amir was like leaning on that. I mean, the entirety of his plan in terms of convincing the Northerners was these people won't trust me, but they'll trust him. So the, the, this was, yeah, the reason that he uses this this sex pollen was basically to have someone tr- trustworthy, because he isn't. Um, but I don't think he needed him, he didn't need Geralt to be smart for that. He needed Geralt to say things that were true. And obviously the great irony of the fic is that by the end of it, he wouldn't have needed it at all if he'd just gone to Geralt and had that conversation with him. But at the same time, he needed it to be known that he loved Geralt and the only way he could do that because he has such a reputation as a heartless <laughs> bastard would be like, well, of course I'm in love with him I'm because I'm cursed. And this I'm cursed. Like, is such a theme with the Geralt-Emir pairing. One of, I think is it the first Witcher fanfic is, um, fuck, the one where Emir in the middle of a ball, like the first scene, Emir just comes up to Geralt in a ball is like, Come back to my rooms. This party is boring. Let's have some wine. That's the Let's play one. some chess. Mr. Thera was actually the okay. first. Yeah. And then he's like, Emir just says to Geralt, you should let me fuck you. And Geralt is like, no, what? Why? why? And then Emir says, yeah, why should I fuck you? Oh, I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell you afterwards. And Geralt's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? No. And he's like, well, you're either curious enough to know or you're not. He's like, shit, you're right. <laughs> speaking, speaking of episodes that we... <clears throat> Excuse me. Speaking of episodes that we could have used this as a tentpole for, disaster bisexuals. <laughs> you are not wrong, but that is true. You, are, you uh, uh, these they are both disaster bisexuals. But there's just way. so much court intrigue, and it's great fun to like pick up a stabby um, bruiser and just yeet them into a pool of nobles. <laughs> Fuck, <Yes>. Maisie. <laughs> I nearly wait. Macy on, timed that. Let Alex recover. <laughs> Macy timed that so that I was taking a drink. I nearly died. <laughs> you just like pick up Geralt and go. <laughs> Circling back to the scene that I was talking about before we got derailed talking about all the other scenes. <laughs> the scene at the emotional low point of the romance mm, arc yes. is when yes, Geralt finds out that. This is something that Emir did on purpose in order to uh, further his conquering of the North. And, and comes to stabilize Ciri's airship. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, multiple goals. One. Multiple yeah. goals. But he comes to confront Emir about it, and Emir is already waiting for him with a dagger and a glass of <laughs> yeah. wine. And it's just like, I think it's that. You don't know. Like, if you look at the story, there's no way that Emir could have known for absolutely certain that that Geralt would find out from whatever his name is, the other guy who Jigsaw? made him have that. Yeah, who made him have that realization mm-hmm. because it just sort of came 
when they were talking, but I think Emir has realized that there are now enough pieces mm -hmm. that Geralt could have put it together himself. Mm -hmm. And so he's prepared enough for the knowledge that Geralt probably now knows that he just does the most melodramatic disaster <laughs> bisexual thing possible and is like, if you must stab me, here is the knife. But I'm just going to sit here and sip wine with a stony face. Like, this is so dramatic. He's Julius Caesar, what can I say? Oh. And then Geralt just comes in and is like, where is the antidote? She's like, it's in the cupboard. <laughs> it's in the cupboard, darling. But, okay, okay, team Gosh. argument time. Team argument time. Okay. Is Ymir a chess master or does he play Zenatos speed chess? Is everything planned out or is he just like flailing but being very good at it? I think he's more chess master because Agree. when he's trying to rescue Geralt... Mm. That is something I think that he did not actually like. He anticipated it, but he hadn't planned enough for it. He's, yes, like he, you can tell that he is coming up with good things. Like the whole thing where he invades the city is there is another <laughs> chess, but the rest of it is him just like throwing maps around, being like, "Where, where? Need plan." <laughs> and also consider the scene where Siri comes in and he's looking at all like the papers and the maps of all his previous plans so mm -hmm. he has clearly like been sitting down and thinking about things and writing out hypotheticals and then discarding them when they don't work mm -hmm. um so that inclines me to think that he's uh, a chess master uh also compare him to how miles Vorkosigan would have done about the same Gosh. thing uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, Miles would have been halfway to the river before he even had a plan to freeze the river. He would have been like, I'll just deal with that when I get there. Precisely my point. Precisely exactly Alex, my point. Thank you, Alex. Yes. I now want you to imagine God. Emperor Miles Wokosigan. No, I don't want to. Actually, <laughs> I don't have imagine, to. Imagine, like, the tax system. See, Emperor Miles Wokosigan would just accidentally make an empire. He would not mean to make Correct. an empire, but he would just suddenly no, no, no. discover that he has if he'd been given If he'd been given like three more weeks ad as Admiral Naismith with the Dendari mercenaries in A Warrior's Apprentice, he would have gotten to Emperor. <laughs> but also, also, may I say, um, Genghis Khan didn't like intend to empire. He just wanted like to not get killed a bunch and just had to keep going because his soldiers like he kept getting more soldiers he's like what do you do with soldiers i mean you attack things right yeah <laughs> and like you can't exactly say that alexander the great like initially intended to empire he just kind of wanted revenge um, i think that see, yeah i think alexander the great was just sort of like a stabby boy and yeah, he just yeah he, he just wanted to he just wanted to take a bunch of his friends and go on a big stabby vacation and, and that's like a valid bisexual identity I <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> mm. Okay, we had one other thing that we were really enthusiastic about when we were planning this episode. Yes. Yes. Let's get back on our bullshit. Let's talk about sex pollen. Yay! The trope. <laughs> the trope. The trope. Okay, the trope. Well, this as, the legend. <laughs> as you may know if you are also an aficionado of the oeuvre of Astolat in the same way that we are. And who is not? This is something that shows up a lot. Yes. In many fandoms. I think it's really convenient as a uh, mechanism because you can take these two characters who are maybe at kind of a shaky point in their interpersonal relationship and just like skip to the part where they bone. And that's really, and like make the boning part of them like becoming more like on the same page in regards to how they're dealing with each other and dealing with their mutual problems etc instead of clashing heads it's also like very much not a fringe fanfic thing anymore like mm -hmm. the original sex pollen was star trek right yep yep with well, Far. kind of sex pollen but like I, I could have sworn there were like episodes as well with like alien bullshit and Kirk ended up ma making out unfortunately with someone. Oh, probably. Yeah. Aliens made them do it. Aliens made them do it. Um, Ponfar is more like early like heat fic, yeah. really. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there is a lot of that idea of something like a, as you say, a mechanism that overrides interpersonal relationships, whether it's soul bonding. And Asalat does do a couple of variations on mm -hmm. soul bonds that act almost as sex pollen, mm -hmm. like her... Um, mastering Commander, <gasps> Duende. Duende. I love which Duende. Which is about, like the world building that is amazing, oh. but it's about essentially, yes, a soul bond that has to occur between a captain and their sword person. So it's kind of got some fealty stuff in it as well, but it's a soul bond that 
acts as a sex pawn. It's Loveless. Oh. Kind of. Okay, go on. It's the fighter magician thing. It's oh. The, like, yeah, I see champion. where you're going with that now. But I was also remembering um, the inhibition lowering uh, spell in the magician season one. Where... Oh, yeah. So, like, that was just that. It's hilarious because it's not really sex pollen, but it's more like, again, let's get a bit drunk. But at the same time, if it is not sex pollen, then it's all the more hilarious uh, yeah. in terms of what happens <laughs> Those with two it. Are useless. But so, sex pollen is has a long history in fanfic. Why? Well, I can it's... say why for Astolat. <laughs> Go on. Well, in Astolat's case, I think it's because, and you know, not to sort of mind read <laughs> the author or anything like that, but. Astolat does really love those controlled characters, the ones mm. that are Machiavellian, mm-hmm. that plan ahead, that are right. in control of their emotions. And the worst thing you can do to that character is take away their control. And so as soon as you throw sex pollen into the mix, you've got an immediate character challenge. And that's, a fantastic that's what happens point. in this fic, is that even though Emir is choosing to do this to himself, we don't know that for a very long time. And part of the interesting thing about it is the fact that he seems able to fight this sort of chemical slash magic influence because he has that experience of being a werewolf and right. clinging to his humanity and using his willpower to overpower things. And so all the really interesting, delicious nuggets in this story are the moments when you see his willpower start to shake, even though it is enormous and strong and you see oh, this urge yes. and the sex pollen is fighting through. Yep, yep. And- but I think that that existence of sex pollen as a challenge to control is one of the reasons why just looking at the character archetypes that Astolite writes and that I really enjoy reading about why she uses it so much. I think that, um, I'm trying to think because I'm sure that, hmm, let's see. I'm thinking back to the Clark Lex um, car fic, and I cannot remember what it is, but there is a fic that Astolite has where um, red kryptonite is involved and Clark is the one who gets sex pollened, and Clark is not the reserved character. And I want to say there are a few more examples where it's not the reserved one who gets whammied. So I mm. think that like she's playing on both sides of it. Oh yeah, I think I think used in a few different if, few different ways. Like there's a Avengers one. She does, oh yes, essentially like <laughs> the entire group of the Avengers gets sex pollen at once, and it's basically a sex comedy. Yeah, fic. But in that way, it's it's much more of that classic fan that fic. use of sex with... pollen to just use. Oh no, we had to have sex as a way to start a relation as an interesting place to start a relationship yeah that's not the one where loki has tentacles is it it might be i think it is actually yeah <laughs> god that book's that's a really funny thing <laughs> what's that called let me see if i still a gift. <laughs> <laughs> it's deeply weird and funny it's yeah yeah it, it is i'm also thinking actually about alex's favorite ever fanfic it's called entanglements it is eighteen thousand words long Yes, uh, the Avengers one. No, I'm thinking about Alex's favourite fanfic, which is the husband's fanfic. Oh, Dangerous of Unbound. <laughs> That's such a good fic. It's such a good fic. And it does kind of have, not exactly sex pollen, but like, like the... It's again, it's, it's like a soul bond mechanism. Yeah. As, but I'm actually as, tying as it back to pollen. your point, Freya, about loss of uh, challenge to control. Mm. yes like that one plays with challenge to control so hard so hard absolutely and it's a lot of fun i think one of the things actually that um this fanfic that misothere does that impresses me so much is how easily it convinces you firstly how bad misothere is the drug Mm -hmm. Mm because the name of the fic is the name of the drug and secondly how impressive it is that Amir has this much control over it. Oh yeah, it does a fantastic job of like that piece of, of world building and showing you so viscerally like how bad it should be. I think this is something that Astolat has that's a real skill, which is the way that you get an audience to be impressed with a character and like admire them is you give them a really hard challenge and you show them overcoming it in some admirable way whether that's Mm -hmm. through willpower or self-control or intelligence and astolat has a way of convincing you as a reader that something is hard in such a tight way Mm -hmm. and i don't know how and i wish i could bottle it because i want that superpower so badly as a writer she's a wizard is how 
<laughs> She's just a wizard. Yeah, basically a wizard. But in terms of the sex pollen aspect of misotherapy, you're absolutely right in that it's uh, it's a trope that can occasionally be played for humor, mm-hmm. and Aslat has played it for humor. But in this show, in this show, in this <laughs> fic, it is presented as very much something that is horrific. Mm, yes, that the potent that it is something that is you know, the penalty for using it is very terrible, that the consequences can be dire. You know, Geralt tells this story of a woman who had to, you know, essentially died freezing to death outside a neighbor's window when she was accidentally dosed with it and she abandoned her family, including a young baby, because it's just this all-consuming obsession with someone else that is absolutely unable to be resisted and just ruins your life completely. Yeah, and so, like, we've talked about uh, misothera and, and sex pollen on kind of the the writer's level, like the mechanical level of what it does for you and, and how useful it can be. But I'd also like to talk about it on kind of the character level, mm-hmm. how it works for them, specifically in terms of consent issues, because this right. is a huge, a huge thing for, for sex pollen. Um, misothera does something super interesting because it flips the usual arrangement of so okay i'm saying this confusingly so usually like the person who is in peril in a sex pollen fic is the person who is under the influence right who got whammied correct right so but initially like the first thing that happens when emir gets dosed is that yennefer drags geralt away she's like we need to get you away from him because he will do anything to come after you uh, he will, and he has armies. Like he will yeah, do anything he has to come armies. after. You. And he's a man who has an army. Um, so that's a really wonderful point about power dynamics as well. Mm-hmm. And then as well, uh, the point at the end where you find out that Emir actually mm-hmm. did it to himself on purpose, and how fucked up is that? That he forced Geralt into this relationship, this sexual relationship, by trickery and deceit. There's a point yeah. halfway through where, um, so basically the idea is that if you go for more than like a couple of days without them having sex, Amir will lose his mind. Uh, he will not be able to think of anything but getting hold of Geralt. And Geralt is really angry with him and basically is like, I, I need to get away, I'm going to leave. And Amir says, you do that and I'm going to have to kill myself. There really isn't any other option. Because yep. I'm not going to do that to the Empire, and I'm not going to do that to Ciri, my heir, who you also care for. Um, and, I mean, she isn't really ready to take the throne, but it would be better for her to take it now than for me to destroy it, trying to get you back. Mm-hmm. And then you look yeah. at that again, knowing that actually he has the cure it's all along. Up. It's fucked up. Yeah, all the all the dubious consent stuff is happening the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And again, it's because he knows the type of person that Geralt yes. is. He says, Gerald is too honourable to let me sit here and devolve into this bestial obsession when he could fix it by just letting me fuck him. Which makes it even more poignant when after Emir cures himself, Gerald basically is like, nope, and runs away to... He goes on a sulky road trip. Yeah, Completely he understandable like sulky fantasy, road trip. Fantasy Siberia, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... At one point gets so annoyed that he basically completely disguises himself and stops going into civilization and vanishes. And Emir starts posting these little wanted posters that aren't wanted posters. They're just little notes that say, if Geralt of Rivia is alive, there is someone in the world who would appreciate a sign that he's okay. <laughs> if you Sorry, can read this, please let me know that you're fine. just been like ghosted on Twitter. <laughs> just like, has anybody heard from Geralt? <laughs> yeah. <Some> tweeting. <laughs> DM me. Danny, do you remember what it was like back in live journal days when a fandom person would disappear and you didn't know if they died? Yes. Oh my gosh. It was really hard. And yes, yeah, even now, that's something that I think about sometimes. Like if I am, I don't know, driving my car to New York or if I'm like going someplace on my own, like if I die, who's going to tell my online friends? That, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, so once we get off air, let me give you like some emergency contact. <laughs> things, <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> Yeah, this has been yeah. a life-changing episode. Oh, you bet. <laughs> yeah, for well, real. Making us really think about fair... the important things. Yes, but what matters in life. Thank but... you, sex pollen. Thank you, sex pollen. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff 
as we are demonstrating, darling listeners, stuffed into this fic, and we're running short on time, do we want to touch on a few of the other tropes that Ms. Affair yes. plays? Oh, with? I think I'm we absolutely Okay, do. go Freya. Yeah, Freya, yeah. you're super into this. Go. I did, because I, I saw other tropes, and I added this one in, in like, capitalized things, because this is one of my favorite, very itty tropes, <laughs> which is the, you have hurt the person that I care about, and I am going to tear you apart, That's because I'm emperor, and I can, which, again, is to do with the... A whole series of things where Geralt is kidnapped and they chop off one of his fingers and send it back and Emir gets exceedingly cold and revengey and you and it's just the satisfaction of knowing what's going to happen when Emir catches up with the person who made this happen is so good it's so it's very good. it's reminding me actually a little bit of our conversation during the alien fucking episode about yes. my big powerful monster boyfriend is I was about to, to make this I was about to make the same point. Well done, Mason. Good job. <laughs> so Emiya is, is the giant alien monster boyfriend. Well, he has lots of appendages called soldiers. He True. has a, a, a hang on a second. He has lots of things that he can wield on the end of his armies. So you're fired from the podcast. <laughs> yeah, Freya. we're just going to ignore Macy for the rest of this recording. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, you had to see that one coming. No. No, we I, I knew something was coming. I wasn't quite sure how bad it was going to be. That was a monstrosity. Please mute your microphone for the remainder of the episode. <laughs> Sit in the corner and think about what you've done. <laughs> no. What else do you love, Freya? Well, as somebody who really doesn't like kid fic, it turns out I can do awkward co-parenting when <laughs> the kid in question is like an adult woman who has opinions yeah. of her own. Yes. And is having to put up with one of her dads t- attempting to arrange her marriage and her other dad kind of going around threatening the person she's meant to marry <laughs> which is wonderful uh, I, fe- I kind of wish if I had written this I feel like I would have written Siri in a much more like seize the forest for the trees kind of thing so like Emir and, and Geralt are like trying to figure out their relationship with each other and Siri's like yeah no you guys are in love and you just haven't realized it yet but I don't know if that's realistic for like a nice. we haven't even talked about the epic song Yes, I was oh just about gosh. to say this. Yes, because here more things that Astolat put in this fic yep. is a fucking like bardic epic uh tradition with fucking Dandelion, who <laughs> I can't. Uh she loves this and she wants us to be happy, so she put in meta about how satisfying the story is. And, uh, oh my like, god, oh, it's yes, not narratively satisfying. <laughs> So basically, darling listeners, as we are apparently incapable of explaining things um, rather than just squeaking about them, um, there is a bard character in The Witcher in general. And one of the things that Amir is trying to do during this fic is, you know, stabilize his heir who's not been in the picture for like 19 years and get his kingdom and his empire to love her and want her to inherit. And so when this bard comes along with this heroic epic about his daughter and her battles and struggles, um, he's like, yay. And then he commissions a love song as propaganda about the (laughs) epic romance that he and Geralt had back when they were boys. And Amir was a werewolf. There's a line where Geralt confronts Emir about this. And he's like, it's not even true. And Emir is like, it doesn't have to be true. And I don't remember exactly what he says. but <laughs> He says it doesn't have to be true. It's going to be history, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be true. Like, everyone's just going to listen to it and, like, believe it anyway. Uh, and I, like, did snaps. Because <laughs> I was like, yes, very yes, Alexandra yes, Roland. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh. uh, so, I'm just like. Uh, in conclusion darling listeners go read this fic go read this fic it's such a good fic go read this and then fic. read all of the other witch and then read all of the, the other we're wine. sorry we're sorry about your spare time your evenings your families you didn't really need those we're things sorry. anyway it's worth it we love you we love you everybody. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely, extremely deep literary merit. Mizathera is such a great fic, and I'm just so happy to be in a place where I get to share something like this with you, dear listeners. Because I've been thinking a lot about shame lately, and how freeing it is to be able to set your shame aside, or yeet it out a window entirely, and just love things out loud at full volume. 
Because, like, fuck anyone who says that something you genuinely love is stupid. That's some bullshit. Anyway, we have some even more exciting topics to talk about on upcoming episodes. On the next episode, two weeks hence, on May 22nd, we're talking about space operas. One of the tentpoles for that episode is the novella The Tea Master and the Detective by Aliette de Baudard, which is so fantastic. Go read it immediately. And if you have any friends who are into things like that, give them a heads up too. In the meantime, feel free to continue the conversation with us. Questions, comments, breathless adulations? Contact us at serpentcast at gmail.com, at serpentcast on Twitter and Tumblr, or join in the conversation on our fan Discord chat, linked on the About the Show page of our website. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. And by the way, I think you are so cute when you're excited about something. <laughs>